This is Cruise Radio. Now more than ever, you should consider trip insurance for any kind of trip you take, not just cruises. Get a free quote at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Very happy to have you here, my friend. Coming up on this week's show, a review of Royal Caribbean's Wonder of the Seas. Yeah, it's their latest ship and currently the largest ship in the world. Also, staff writer Richard Sims is here with Cruise News. As always, you can check out our daily cruise news updates just opposite of this channel or Cruise News Today on YouTube. All right, jumping right to Richard for news. Hey, buddy. Hey, Doug. Been waiting on this one for a while, a long while. CDC drops the cruise travel warning. Down to zero. You know, we've we've sort of, it's almost been like one of those countdowns. Uh, you know, it started at four, then it went to three, then it went to two. They skipped one entirely and went straight to zero. You know, it's important to note that the removal of this doesn't necessarily mean that the agency thinks it's a great idea for people to cruise. Um, in fact, they gave a statement to USA Today where they said travelers will make their own risk assessment when choosing to travel on a cruise ship, much like they do in all other travel settings. That basically sums up what the cruise industry has wanted from the very beginning. They have wanted to be treated like everyone else. If you're not going to have, you know, rules about what you have to do to fly, then why do you have rules about what you have to do to sail? If you're not going to have a travel advisory against, you know, any other form of transportation, why do you have it against cruising? So this sort of levels the playing field. What will be interesting is... I can't help wishing that they'd gone from like two to one, you know, like let's keep at least something in there because my fear is this, you know, three weeks, six weeks, eight weeks from now, a new variant comes out and the CDC says, okay, we're going to boost the ratings back up again. We're going to go up to like say a two and it's going to seem very extreme and cruisers and the cruise lines and the cruise line industry are all going to get up in arms about it. Whereas if they'd, just gone to one, you know, they leave themselves that little bit of wiggle room to say, well, you know, we're going to just reinforce the one. We're not going to have to boost the rating up again. But for right now, it's good news. It's at zero. And that's going to be really great news to a lot of people. This does not mean that you don't need a vaccine. This does not mean that you might not have to wear a mask. Each cruise line is still, you know, responsible for both the setting of and the enforcement of their own protocols. But it's a really great step um, for people who've been looking for the CDC to sort of level the playing field. And Carnival Cruise Line details the new zone or neighborhood aboard the upcoming Carnival Celebration. Don't you dare call it a neighborhood. It's <laughs> not a neighborhood. It's a zone. That's a different line, Doug. This is a zone. And it's going to be a Miami-themed zone called 820 Biscayne. The name comes from, that's the address of where Carnival's original headquarters were in Miami. So much like we had uh, the French Quarter on the uh, Mardi Gras, this ship is going to be having the Miami zone. It'll have, um, and it is not going in the same area, however. We do not know whether this ship will have a French Quarter or not. If you look on the deck plans right now, where that is on the Mardi Gras simply says, you know, coming soon on the celebration. So we don't know what's going to go in that space yet. This is actually going to go, 820 Biscayne is actually going to go where La Piazza is 
on Mardi Gras. But don't worry, that doesn't mean you're going to lose like the deli and the pizza shop that are there. Instead, they're just going to get new names. You know, it'll be Deco Deli and it'll be Miami Slice instead of whatever they call them on Mardi Gras. The bar that's there right now, you'll remember that on Mardi Gras, they introduced this cool little bar called Bar Della Rosa. And it's sort of an indoor-outdoor bar. You can sit either. And that bar is still going to be there, but it's going to be called Bar 820 on this particular ship. You know, there's there are still things to come about Celebration that we don't know. Like I said, we don't know if it's going to have the French Quarter or not. But slowly but surely, they're rolling out the new, you know, the new zones, the new info, the new details. And it uh, looks like the ship's going to be as you know, at least as fun as Mardi Gras. And as you know, I think you've sailed it. I've sailed it. That is a heck of a ship. Yeah, as you were mentioning about the deck plans, looking here, so it looks like if the French Quarter is going to be there, they have that, what was that? Is it the Brass Magnolia Bar as part of the French yep. Quarter? It says Fun Revealed Soon. So does Emeralds, says Fun Revealed Soon. And that so one cool, bar. yeah, the Fortune Teller Bar all says Revealed Soon. So I'm sure, well, they're going to have to announce it before November, right? Because that's when the ship's debuting. I think. Yeah, so we'll... <laughs> well, uh, they can just let us get on and let it be surprised. Yeah, yeah like... <laughs> yeah. Uh, Norwegian cancels yet another sailing of Escape. Oh, poor Escape. So you'll recall this is the ship that ran aground not too long ago uh, in the Dominican Republic, and it's been nothing but problems ever since. They had to, you know, get everybody off. They had to get everybody home. People weren't particularly thrilled with, with the way the whole process worked. And since then, there has been some damage. They haven't really gotten too specific about what the damage is, but as a result of that damage, they've had to cancel several sailings. The latest is the April 2nd sailing. So that, if you were booked on that, you probably know this already, but just in case you don't, bad news, your trip has been canceled. You do have a couple of options. One of the things that's interesting here, I was surprised to see that what they've basically said is one option is to jump on one of four other ships, the Norwegian Joy, Breakaway, Dawn, or Encore, all of which are doing seven-night cruises, two from Miami, one from New Orleans, one from Tampa. And they're basically like, you can do that and take that cruise, and you can still get a 100% future cruise credit, or you can cancel entirely and get a 50% cruise credit. Um, you know, And at first I was like, wait, you're going to let them take the cruise and get 100%, but if they cancel, they only get 50%? That seems odd. But then I realized I get why they're giving you the 100% cruise credit even if you do this because it is still going to be an inconvenience because, like, let's say you decide to do Norwegian Breakaway. That's out of New Orleans, and that's sailing on April 3rd, which is coming up very, very quickly, which means you have a lot of plans that you have to sort of, like, rearrange in order to get yourself on that ship. But anyway, no word yet on whether the next sailing will be canceled, and if so, you know, what, what they'll be. Alternatives they'll offer those passengers. We'll just have to wait and see as the escape continues to be one great adventure after another. Have you heard any ramblings of what happened here? Because for them to take the ship out of service for, what, three weeks, someplace had to breach? I mean, I don't know this for Th a fact. That's what it but sounds like. I mean, they have not. They've been very, um, I don't want to say cagey, but... You know, one of my you – know, I love this industry more than anything, but one thing that I have a real issue with is sort of the lack of transparency, whether it comes to – you know, when they say we have some COVID cases on board, but they won't give you the actual number. Or in a case like this where it's a simple thing, just say what – you know, what exactly was the damage. But – Cruise lines tend to play everything as close to the vest as they possibly can, and that is certainly the case here. There may be reports out there on what actually, you know, the extent of the damage is, but I haven't seen them. So Discovery Princess has finally entered service. 
It's on a seven night out of Los Angeles. Uh, it's first sailing left earlier this week. The ports of call on this inaugural sailing will be Cabo San Lucas, Mazeltan, and Puerto Vallarta, all of which are in Mexico, none of which I've ever been to, all of which I would very much like to visit at some point. For right now, for the next month or so, the Discovery is going to keep offering Mexican Riviera sailings. Then she'll head north on a pair of repositioning cruises. And in May, early May, the ship will start doing um, spring and summer season of seven-night Alaska inside passage itineraries. This is the 15th ship, if you're keeping track, in the Princess fleet, and it's the final ship in their royal class. The previous ships in this class were the Enchanted, the Sky, the Majestic, the Regal, I'm forgetting one, and the Royal. Uh, that's yeah, that's six uh, when you include Discovery Princess. Beautiful ships, beautiful new class, and uh, sort of welcome to the cruise world, Discovery Princess. And we've been talking about it for well over two years, and cruise ships are finally back in Grand Cayman. Grand Cayman, yet another place I have yet to visit. Fun fact, I often mistake it for Grand Turk. <laughs> um, <I've laughs> yeah, done we it know. In, I do it all the time. Um, <laughs> but I haven't been to either, so maybe once I go to one of them, I will be able to recognize it as distinct from the other. What's kind of important about Grand Cayman welcoming back ships is this is one of the last islands in the Western Caribbean to welcome them back. They've had some of the strictest protocols. So this is, you know, much like at the top of the show, we were talking about the CDC dropping the travel requirements. This is another just really positive sign for the industry that, you know, one of the sites that people have been wanting to go to and that has not been available to them is opening up again. The Disney Magic was the first ship to get there. It arrived on, I believe it was March 21st. And soon after that, there were a bunch of ships that went all within a few days. It was like the Carnival Paradise, the Carnival Sunrise, Glory, Celebrity Apex, Emerald Princess. So we didn't just come back. We came back full force. And that is going to be so good for the economy of the area. You know, every single time we hear about ships returning to a port that hasn't seen, you know, uh, any any cruise travelers for a year or two years, then the next thing you hear is, wow, look at all the money that was pumped into the local economy. So, you know, congratulations to Grand Cayman. Congratulations to all the people on those ships who are getting to go someplace. I haven't gone. I'm not jealous a bit. And while we're at it, congratulations to Grand Turk, too, even though they've been open for like months now. Right. Grand Turk. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't want to leave them out. We, yeah. I love them, too. Jack Shack, right? Jack Shack, the place I am dying to go to. Mm -hmm. Listener question comes from Jennifer this week. Email yours to Doug at CruiseRadio.net. What do I need to know about doing a back-to-back -back cruise on two different cruise lines this December, leaving from Port Canaveral? Well, Jennifer, there's really good news and there's not so good news. The good news is you're going on a back-to-back -back cruise and we're not. So congratulations. The bad news is it's not like there's a simple system. It's not like if you were going back to back on the same ship. Because you're transferring ships, it basically is going to be as if you're starting from scratch. So you go and you have a great time on the first ship, you get back, go through the whole disembarkation process. Then assuming that your other ship isn't parked right next door, you're going to you know, want to catch an Uber or a cab or whatever, go over to the other terminal, and then you start from scratch. And you know whatever protocols that line has in place, you'll have to go through the whole check-in process again. The lines, you know, do not coordinate this. It's not like somebody's going to come and pick up your luggage on one ship and take it over and put it in your new room on the other. It really is as if you're sort of starting from scratch. They don't really consider it 
technically a back-to-back unless you are sailing both on the same line. But again, you're doing two cruises, so that's good. Richard, you said park a ship. You actually dock a ship. You don't park a ship. You know that. Well, you know, what is docking but parking? Man, when I was a kid, so, you know, my dad was a ship captain and then river pilot. And uh, I asked him, I was like, I was riding a ship with him up the St. John's River one day when he was piloting. I was like, Dad, where are we going to park this? He goes, you don't park a ship, you dock a ship. And then I was like, uh, okay, 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 I got it. I'm like, nine. And then an hour later, we were on the pilot boat, and I asked if I could drive the pilot boat. And my dad's like, do you mean steer the pilot boat? You don't drive a boat, you steer it. Like, okay, I got so, it, Captain. So basically, all the knowledge that you are passing on to me was hard-earned at the knee of your dad. Exactly, yes. I would have I never like known. I like, the fact that it's, I like the fact that your dad's knowledge is alive and well and being passed on. <laughs> yes, it is. I've been talking with staff writer Richard Sims. As always, thanks, my friend. Thanks, Doug. Have a tip or a lead on a new story? Let us know. Email tips at cruiseradio.net. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Top industry stories from around the world and how they'll impact your next vacation every weekday morning on Cruise Radio News. Scott and the family just returned from a seven-night Western Caribbean cruise on the brand new Royal Caribbean Oasis class, Wonder of the Seas, and he joins us on the line. How you doing, Scott? I'm doing well. How about you, Doug? Good, my friend. Excited to talk about Wonder of the Seas. Only a, a few sailings in at this point, and you were on the very second cruise. So before we get to the ship itself and talk all about it, we'll take a step back as we always do. You're over in Tampa. What made you want to jump on this second sailing of Royal Caribbean's Wonder of the Seas? Yeah, for us, it was uh, just uh, wanting to you know get back to cruising again, looking for something to do that we hadn't planned for the kids' spring break. And uh, lo and behold, the Royal Caribbean made the decision to not send the wonder over to China and Asia and come to the U.S. And so I, as soon as that happened, I got on and got a cabin real quick and got it at a good price and for spring break for the kids. When they made an announcement saying, hey, we're going to the U.S. instead of China at first, did you jump on really fast or was there actually inventory, you know, were you right on the game right when they dropped the flag or did you wait a little bit? No, no, it was pretty much right on. You know, literally, when they announced it, I went and looked and fares at, the, at that moment were cheaper than any other yeah. seven-day Oasis class for the same week. And then I just watched the rates go up after that. So we, I booked very quickly. Yeah, you got to love when things align like that. So you're over in the yeah. Tampa area and you make your way over to Port Everglades for this seven-night cruise. Any pre-cruise stay in the Fort Lauderdale area? With Tampa, we're close enough. It's about a four-plus-hour drive uh, from Tampa down there. So we drove in the, the morning of the cruise. Very good. And you go to Embark, Wonder of the Seas. Was this one of your first cruises back since the shutdown, or have you been cruising since last summer? 
I've been on Royal once and Disney once uh, since uh, cruising resumed. Mm-hmm. Had so, a little bit of experience with it, but every time is different. Yeah. And every cruise line is different. Yeah, so. for sure. Yeah, so you make your way over to Terminal 18 where Wonder of the Seas embarks guests. How was the embarkation process in this, I don't want to say startup environment, and but we'll just say in 2022, how was embarkation? Yeah, it wasn't too bad. You know, the... The interesting thing that I observe with the, I mean, we've done a lot of Royal Caribbean cruises is as their technologies increased with doing a lot of things on the app, they still have the traditional cruise terminal approach. And, you know, so all the stuff with the barcodes and everything really doesn't matter. You just walk up at our assigned time and gave them our cabin number and they checked our paperwork and we were on board in probably about uh, 10, 15 minutes. So it was really smooth and but you had all this stuff that you were told to do ahead of time and all they wanted to know was your room number. Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, how important is it that a guest actually does all this stuff ahead of time? Like you were from curb to ship in 15 minutes. So I assume if you didn't have all this stuff preloaded, it'd take you a little bit longer. Yeah, I, I agree with that. That's a probably good statement there that uh, you know, we did all of our you know testing ahead of time and, and uploaded it into the app, which is really just giving them the ability when they looked up our reservation to see it mm-hmm. all there. And then all the other, because it's different things. You got to upload all your information. They ask you some questions ahead of time as far as the health questionnaire. Do that ahead of time. And, you know, for those that uh, didn't do that, then they would step aside or that line would take a while. We just were fortunate to be able to find the line that everybody had already done that. Yeah, very cool. So you're on board the ship. What were your first impressions of Wonder of the Seas? Been on all the other previous Oasis class ships. So it's very familiar. Uh, Really just what is excited to see you know, the differences that they do from ship to ship uh, as far as the decorations and uh, just really impressed. Obviously, brand new and clean and just excited to be on board. And, the, you know, the kids run around looking and, you know, the first thing they wanted to go find was the bionic bar. They love yeah. that. They wanted to see the robot movie. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, was, it was a it was great to be back on board a, an Oasis class ship with the family. Yeah, for sure. Now you have a family of four. So what kind of stateroom did you book and what did you think of it throughout the week? Uh, we booked a, it was a balcony with a larger balcony. So a standard room inside with a larger balcony. I liked it. Uh, we did have a little bit with the way in which there was issues that we had with how they have the pull-out. Uh, the couch is not a pull-out. It's like a trundle bed. And when the trundle bed is pulled out, you can't navigate, you know, buy things. So we found that to be a little bit of an additional challenge as it relates to when when the bed's out either in the morning or in the evening with the kids of being able to to navigate around the room that was something that I hadn't previously recalled in the in the past where you couldn't get by you know so we didn't really like that piece of it the bed can either be you know upper lower or it can actually turn into one huge bed and the kids would try it different ways each night so each night we'd tell the the cabin steward to, to configure it a different way. So he was really good at that to see if it, you know, try and make it work for us. And he showed us how to operate it so we could push it back in early in the morning before he got there. So. Yeah. So just so I'm tracking with you, the trundle bed is just basically like a sofa, right? It c- turns into like a, what, a twin or a full? If you vision a couch and then there's the, the bottom part of the couch pulls out mm-hmm. and then you can either pull out and just stay there at the floor level uh, but what they did was it actually can raise up and become level uh, with the sofa and that, and it becomes one large bed. So it's either two small beds, one up and one down or one big, huge bed. Gotcha. Okay. I hear you. Now, as far as the space and storage for a family of four, how was that? 
It was uh, limited. We overpacked, so it <laughs> makes it sometimes difficult to find the places, right? You know, to stick stuff. But ultimately, you figure it out, and you know, the luggage get, goes under the main bed, so that gets rid of, you know, hides that pretty well. And uh, we just were able to find drawers for everybody, and some of the stuff had to live out of the suitcase because we had too much stuff. Sure, but I think that's more us, you uh-huh. know, than the cabin. <laughs> yeah. I hear you. Uh, as far as balcony space and enough plugs for everyone? Definitely enough, plenty of plugs. You know, they still have the European style in there. So we have the ability to adapt regular outlets to that. And I bring a little mini type of power strip that has plugs and USB outlets. There was USBs on both sides of the main bed. Uh, and the main bed, by the way, was was huge. It, it seemed to even be bigger than a regular king bed. Wow. You know, so we were really pleased with the, with that. And the balcony was uh, also very large. I think I mentioned that was the, the type of cabin. You didn't feel crowded all mm-hmm. out there, plenty of room to stretch your feet out, uh, two chairs, table, and footrest. So it was a you know, it was really nice uh, balcony. Very nice. Let's talk about dining now on Wonder of the Seas. Of course, there's like nearly two dozen, if not, dining venues on board this ship. So we'll start at the top, the, the basic Windjammer Marketplace, the buffet, if you will. How was your experience yeah. there? Pretty good. Uh, we um, Windjammer for us is typically you know, a breakfast in the morning, and then maybe sometimes we'll swing in in, in the afternoon uh, for lunch. Uh, we never did it for dinner. The layout of Windjammer on the Wonder of the Seas is completely different compared to any other Oasis class that maybe folks have been on. It's very well spread out and as well as a lot more seating and a lot more space uh, to find seats. So we're really impressed by that and it handled the crowd really well. Nice. And let's talk about the main dining room experience. Uh, What time dining did you have and how was your experience in there? We had the 5.30, you know, fixed time dining, excellent service, excellent meals. Uh, we pretty much ate in there almost every night except for one. Uh, really liked our table. It was right by a window, so we got to see the sunsets in the evening, and, and so that was really nice. And we had uh, servers. They actually switched it around a little bit because the junior server was working to become a senior server, so he was playing dual roles. But anyway, he took care of everything. You know, once they get to know you the first day, they do a really good job of having stuff for the kids right away when they sit at the table, knew everybody's drinks and and, and that type of stuff. And it's something that we really like with the fixed table approach where you get the same waiter, then they get to know you and take care of things. What was your favorite meal in the main dining room? Lobster and steak. It was there you go. <laughs> a lot, lot, lot of that and uh, we love it. Nice. Now, any uh, dining outside of the main dining room, uh, like specialty restaurants or some quick eats for you? We did do one specialty restaurant. Most of the Oasis class have Wonderland. It's a specialty type dining experience that's, you know, has a very unique culinary approach to food where they deconstruct things and different stuff like that from all the different meals. And, you know, so it has the, you know, the flavors you're familiar with, with a dining experience, but they present them a very different way. You know, it's a kind of themed around Alice in Wonderland. And so it's a very unique type of dining experience. And we wanted our oldest kid, who's very much, she'll eat anything and everything and loves the uniquenesses of things. And so we wanted her to experience Wonderland. So we booked that as a family and and had a really good time you know, w- with that experience. Now, how about around the ship, like the Sorrento's or Promenade Cafe, Johnny Rockets? We didn't do Johnny Rockets, definitely did Sorrento's for pizza, picking up the kids after, you know, at the end of the day from the K 
kids club, we always go down and get a pizza and Sorrento's, they get a dessert. So it's always good to have those places. There's a Loco Fresh uh, is around the ship. It's kind of like a pool deck type of uh, eatery that has a lot of really good Mexican style stuff that's uh, really, really good. And then obviously the Solarium Bistro is another area restaurant that we ate at during lunch just to grab salads and different things like that. They also serve burgers now, but you know, again, really good. Uh, if you're into the more healthier stuff, mm-hmm. I recommend going to the Solarium Bistro. The Wonder has a couple of new specialty restaurants that aren't on any of the other Oasis class ships. One's called the Mason Jar and the other one's called Hooked. Hooked is a seafood restaurant and Mason Jars based around Southern cooking. We didn't get a chance to get into those. Uh, we were going to try to book them on board, but they had sold out ahead of time. So we weren't able to get in there. So leave something for the next time. Yeah, there you go. Oh, I want to talk to you about the drink package or refreshment package. I know that they have a Starbucks on board, these Oasis class ships. So if you purchase the refreshment package, so the non-alcoholic package, is Starbucks included? Starbucks is not included on the Oasis class ships. There's a Starbucks kiosk in the Royal Promenade that is not included with any drink package. However, what's new on the Wonder of the Seas is the coffees and the the specialty coffees that they make at Cafe Promenade, which is included uh, with the drink packages like the refreshment package that we got, is now using Starbucks coffee there. So you actually are able to get, you know, so and they would make pretty much what you could ask at the kiosk. They would do it there as well, which was really good. And my wife appreciated that. She's the coffee drinker in the family. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. So you can actually kind of uh, get your Starbucks without having to pay to get your Starbucks. Yes, exactly. Well, I guess at the end of the day, you are paying, I guess, because you're buying the uh, beverage package. But yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah, Look at it like that. So how was the entertainment on this seven night cruise? Entertainment was, uh, it was interesting. Uh, you know, the ship, like you mentioned, we were talking ahead of time, you know, just kind of trying to keep to its bubble and because you know, it literally had just gotten to the U.S. So um, one of the things that they would talk a lot about was that some of the production teams had not had a lot of opportunity to practice and do some stuff ahead of time. So the Aqua Theater show, we didn't really get to see the official Aqua Theater show, but they did put on a presentation where they did a few acts and a few scenes from what ultimately will be the Aqua Theater show. The cast is all female, which is uh, very different than what they typically see with the Aqua Theater. And it was good to see. So we still got to see the Aqua Theater experience and what they're doing down there and a little bit of hint of what the show is going to be like. Mm -hmm. One of the things that's also different, they currently do not have a Broadway show where the other Oasis class ships all have Mamma Mia or Grease or some of the other Broadway shows. There's no Broadway show currently on The Wonder of the Seas. So they had a, several different production shows. Um, one of them was called Tapped, which was a really fun, really enjoyable. The kids really enjoyed it. You know, tap dance and dancing and singing uh, show. And, you know, with some of their shows, they have they like to throw in a separate side act. They had a, a contortionist on there that I'd never seen anything like that before. And that guy was amazing. So that was a really good show. They had a singing show called Voices. We didn't get a chance to do that one because, you know, there's so many shows on board that we didn't right. get to do them all. <laughs> and then they had a couple of headline entertainers. So we saw a comedian in the main Royal Theater as one of the headline shows. And then we also went to uh, Studio B, which is their ice skating rink and the mm-hmm. ice show. I thought that was one of the better ice shows I've ever seen on any of the Royal Caribbean ships. 
someone commented afterwards that uh, back to the just things weren't always full up and running. Uh, some of the props that they like to use with their shows had not yet been you know, finished and ready, but it was still an outstanding show and it actually worked really well without all the props. So I thought they'd you know, get to focus on the dancing and the, and the ice skating and stuff like that. So it was really, really good. So two but questions. Obviously there's a bunch of bars and musicians and stuff like that all throughout the ship that we always enjoy when we stop and get a drink or whatever we're doing. Yeah, for sure. Now two questions. Um, did you get to ice skate at all? We didn't. The line was very long. The kids wanted to do it, but it's finding shoes. It just takes a while. So we didn't get to do that. And uh, the other thing they do have in the ice cave, they have a laser tag in there. So they do it two or three times in the sailing. They have about a four or five hour period of time where you can go and do laser tag. Um, The kids got to do that once and they really enjoyed that. That was fun. And did you get to see the stowaway piano player at all during your seven nights? I saw him as the elevator door was closing and I missed it. So he definitely was uh, out and about and there were people coming. You can tell that uh, COVID's behind us because the, the stowaway pianist is out and about. Yep, yep, for sure. Let's talk about the sea days on board this ship. Any idea what the capacity was by chance? They said it was about 4,600. Okay. So it's probably about two thirds. Gotcha. And how were the sea days as far as crowds and congestion? Not too bad. You know, the class does an outstanding job of managing the people. There's still people that do reserving of chairs, so that can be some mm-hmm. of a challenge. The areas that they have for the different pool areas for the kids to play is different on the Wonder of the Seas compared to others. But we didn't find any problems. The pools weren't overcrowded. There's just plenty of stuff to do, and it does a really good job of handling the people. So if you want a chair by the pool, you do have to get there early to get it because yeah. the pool's uh, did you get to do the uh, the flow rider or the abyss slide? Absolutely. Uh, I'm a big flow rider person. It's one re- thing I love to do with uh, cruising. Um, I'll comment on that is Wonders of Seas is the first Oasis class to only have one flow rider. Mm-hmm. Typically, they, it's been one that has two. And uh, so with a ship that size and trying to balance between the stand up and the boogie board and trying to satisfy all those things. It created a little bit of a logistical and scheduling challenge, so didn't get as much stand-up time as we typically would have when we sail on the other Oasis-class ships. Um, And definitely did the Abyss. Uh, My oldest daughter loves to do it, and so we got to do that as well. So next time we sail together, Scott, you'll have to teach me because uh, the guy was getting super frustrated with me on my last Royal Caribbean ship. I think I was on Odyssey, and I was trying to stand up or get on my knees or whatever I was trying to do, and... (laughs) <laughs> Couldn't do it. Kept getting swept right to the very back of the the flow riders. So, uh, yeah, I suck doing that. No coordination, which is weird because I live like a, a couple miles from the beach here in Jacksonville. It's but. taken me a long time. <laughs> yeah. you know, I was on the inaugural cruise you know, many, many, many years ago uh, of the Oasis when the Oasis came out. And, and it was one of the first things my wife signed up and did was flow rider lessons. And mm-hmm. I sucked at it then. And <laughs> it took me a long time and many, many cruises to finally be able to you know, be comfortable doing something, but there's people that are significantly better at it than me. (laughs) Me too. So let's talk about your ports of call on this seven night cruise. I don't want to mess the order up here. So what was your first port of call and give me the highlight of it. First port of call was uh, Roitan in Honduras. Uh, It was a new port for us as many cruises we've done in the Caribbean. We actually never had been to Roitan and in fact, I didn't know much about it, and I just knew it was in Honduras. And what we did there is we had booked a 
not through the cruise line. We booked it private, an excursion that was a, a mixture of going up and seeing some wild animals, sloths and monkeys and parrots and a snorkeling excursion. So really, really had a good time with that. And I didn't know that actually Roitan is actually an island off the coast of Honduras. I thought it was just on the mainland, but mm-hmm. it's still a very hilly island. So it was really great to ride in the bus out to the animal sanctuary area. And, and the kids got to hold sloths and, and interact with the animals. Uh, there's a whole monkey cage to get in there and you can feed them and they're jumping on you. So it was a really, really fun experience to do that. And then after we did that, then we drove back down to the to the water and we went out on a boat and did about an hour or so snorkeling. So really had a really good time and you know got to enjoy the water and see a little bit of the Honduras uh, island there. They call themselves islanders. So that's how I figured yeah. out that it's on an island. With the animal park you went to, do you remember the name of that? I do not. I did ask because we had booked it third if there were was this like the only one? And, and apparently there are multiple yeah. locations on the island that, that offer similar animal interactions. Mm-hmm. So I don't remember the name. It was actually someone's home that he turned it into a sanctuary, wow. but I don't remember which one it was. And then your next port of call was what? And what'd you do there? Next port of call was Cozumel. We didn't book any excursions or anything. We just kind of got off the ship and wanted to see how the shopping area was right off the pier. And then ultimately, if after you leave the shopping area, there's a another kind of area of shopping places that's nearby. We walked over there and we really like Mexican food. So we sat and had a really nice local Mexican lunch there and, and enjoyed that. And somehow, I don't know how we ended up with it. The, my wife's really into chocolate and she found this guy and he did this 30 minute presentation on the making of chocolate and stuff like that and came away with a whole bunch of different chocolate stuff. So we had to just kind of doing our own thing and it kind of found different stuff that we didn't expect to do. And, and then we went uh, back through the shopping district, uh, bought a few things and got back on board. And how was Costa Maya for you and the family? Costa Maya was great. Uh, we had booked an excursion to one of the private resorts that's nearby uh, it's owned by an ex, uh, U.S. expatriate called Maya Chan. And it was a really, really great private experience uh, right there on the water. They offer with the price, you get unlimited drinks. They make a really nice lunch. Uh, they've got a bunch of different water activities from paddle boats to uh, the kind where you act like you're on a bicycle kind of boat and different things like that to, to play uh, in the water and and you have this really nice chair to, to hang out and hammocks. All the girls uh, went and got beachside massages. So it was a really, really great uh, uh, day at the beach. Maya Chan is probably by far one of the best things to do in the Western Caribbean. Unless, was the seaweed on the beach or was that gone? No, it was there. Yeah. They don't hide it. You know, they do mm-hmm. a good job of talking about it and sure. it, it can happen. And, and in fact, when you go to, before you get in the, the taxi to go out there, they show you a picture of that was taken that day of what the current state of seaweed is. And you can make a decision if that's okay for you or not. But they keep the, you know, the area where the people are getting into the water pretty clean. And, mm-hmm. But it's definitely still a prevalent thing that's there. Yeah, those, those uh, workers there on the shoreline work their tails off trying to keep that seaweed off the beach just as fast as it's rolling in. 
Yeah, absolutely. And they did a good job doing mm -hmm. that as well as helping you out with the different uh, water toys and stuff like that. So they do a really good job of taking care of you. We wanted to do it a couple of times before we had been to Costa Maya and we would try to book it. And it, it's always something that is usually you know sold out. And sure enough, uh, you know, we got in early on this one. As soon as we booked uh, the sailing saw, we were going to Costa Maya. I, I reserved it right away. Yeah, so. that, that food is freaking amazing there too i know yeah. i know the tacos the guacamole mm -hmm. just all kinds of different stuff that they do the fish tacos or meat tacos or yep. even vegetarian stuff so they really catered to all the different stuff and you really, really have a good time yeah my only complaint with costa maya is we weren't there that long we got in at like uh 8 30 and 9 o'clock and we were leaving by like three so ah. so the day was shorter than i would have liked but uh, there was a lot of ships in there as well but that's because you had to haul butt and get to Perfect Day at Coco Cay. How was your day there? It was good. Um, I had been there last fall with a buddy of mine. It was my first time with him. And uh, this time is with the family. So we had purchased the uh, uh, the Thrill Park, Water Park Pass. Uh, and so spent most of our time at the Thrill Park, Water Park, you know, riding all the different slides. Uh, the kids really, they have a wave pool in there and the kids are playing in the wave pool and doing that. Test. So that's where we spent most of our day. And then uh, there was a period of time where we went over into the main pool. What is it? I think it's, they call it the largest freshwater mm -hmm. pool in the Bahamas or something yeah. like that. And it's actually very chilly, which I love. It was just very refreshing to get in there and, and just hang out. And, you know, that's where the party scenes at with the swim up bars and stuff like that. So. My wife, uh, she spent a little bit of time and went over to the to explore and to check out the beaches. When I was there last fall, I was in the you know their private cocoa club or club cocoa or mm -hmm. something like that. I had done that with a buddy of mine, but she wanted to check that out, see what that was like. As far as the value for the water park with the kids, is it priced pretty reasonably? That's a good question. You know, when I compare water parks, I think about the water parks that you go to. You know, I live in Florida, so mm -hmm. you know, Tampa's got one, Orlando's got a couple of them. You know, so I kind of compare water park prices, and you know, even though they do have some stuff that you don't, you can't get anywhere else. You know, their price is a little bit high. You know, relatively speaking, compared to you know the land-based water parks. But, you know, it's, it was something to do and try. And next time we go, probably will we'll we do it. No, we'll, there's more to that island to experience. So I don't think mm -hmm. I do it every time. Yeah, definitely. So you make your way back to Port Everglades. How was disembarkation? Simple, easy. We're always one of the latter people to, you know, get off the ship. So we kind of took our time waking up and they have the technology where they just do a face recognition through customs. So that made it really, really simple and easy to get in. And uh, we parked right there at the parking lot that's right next to Pier 18. And so it was just very simple to go grab the car, load up the luggage and head back home. I was reading some, um, you know, everyone's going to vent online a little bit, good and bad. And they were saying that the the smoking smell in the casino was pretty well established when you walk through there. Did you notice that? You know, it's a good question. Uh, I'm not a smoker. Uh, we're not big casino people, but we did go through it a couple times. Personally, what I found was that the smoke emulated outside the casino on, on deck four, mm -hmm. uh, where the main entrance is, right in the area of the elevator, as well as the entrance into the main dining room. And wow. I found that to be a little bit more than I typically ever called on other Oasis class ships. Mm. Uh, but when you walk through the casino, 
you seem to have the ability to walk on one side. You can either go down the one port side or the starboard side. And as long as you go down the the side that's not smoking inside the casino, it wasn't bad at all. Yeah. You know, so I actually found that there was the smoke was actually worse outside the casino. Like I said, mm-hmm. you know, on on the area by the elevators and main dining room entrance. Gotcha. Did you have a Wi-Fi package on this sailing? We did not. Uh, we're trying to disconnect a little bit and. We're Diamond members on Royal Caribbean, so we each get, my wife and I each get one day for free of Wi-Fi, so we kind of pick a couple days where we do that just so we can somewhat stay connected, but it was good to to not do that, plus uh, we want the kids to enjoy the ship and not enjoy their iPads, right? Right, no, for sure. (laughs) You said you're Diamond members. Does that mean you get to partake in the, is it like a cocktail hour they have for Diamond members? They do have a cocktail, well, they do have a, it's more of an hors d'oeuvre hour now, Mm -hmm. Uh, they've actually, Royal Caribbean's changed their approach for the diamond cocktail hour. Uh, what you do now get with your being a diamond level or above is you get assigned on your CPAS card a certain number of drinks. And you can use those drinks anywhere on the ship except for the bionic bar gotcha. uh, anytime during the day. So at diamond, we, my wife and I each got four drinks a day. We could use them anywhere. If, if you happen to get a drink in the Diamond Lounge during the hors d'oeuvre time, that would count as one of your one of your drinks. So it wasn't an additional uh, drink on top of what you were already given. Any first time tips to offer anyone sailing Wonder of the Seas? You know, it's a big ship, the, the, a lot to do. Don't feel bad if you can't do it all. I think with Royal Caribbean's approach to making reservations, things like shows, uh, try to find out as much as t- you can as far as the show schedule. And as soon as you get on board, the first thing, uh, book your shows right away, because otherwise you might be frustrated with having to wait in the standby line. Um, otherwise, take it in. There's plenty of to do, whether you want to just read a book or or um, have some fun drinking in the different bars. It, it, we just love the class of ship because of the what it offers, and and especially for the kids and for the adults. Looking back, what was the biggest highlight of this cruise for you and the family? For me, it was Roytan, you know, because we've cruised so much and get to do something different. And, you know, watching, you know, my youngest is some kids are into unicorns. My actual youngest is into sloths. And, and to see her be able to hold on to, you know, a sloth, it was just in the smile on her face. And that really made it for us and made a really, uh, really special excursion. So that was the highlight for us. And in closing, your final thoughts of the current largest ship in the world, Wonder of the Seas. <laughs> yeah, largest by like two inches, I think. Uh, um, really loved it. You know, when we go on it again, absolutely. We love all of the class of ships. There's things that are different to do. And I just love it. And it's just great to be sailing again and finally getting out there and enjoying ourselves on the water. Very good. I've been talking with Scott about his seven-night cruise, his Western Caribbean sailing aboard Wonder of the Seas out of Port Everglades. Scott, thank you so much for coming by and sharing this review, my friend. I'm sure lots appreciate it. Oh, no, appreciate you, Tim. Thank you very much, and we'll talk again. All right, Dougie, let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast or online at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.